really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? I want to begin with a question, and the question is this. Could you be deceived? Yeah, you. Could you be deceived? I want to read you something from the... This article is about a year old. It's from the Tyler, Texas paper. You can look it, look it up for yourself on the Internet. It's entitled, Voices of Unbelief Behind the Pulpit. Voices of unbelief, yes, voices of unbelief behind the pulpit. You can look this up for yourself under that title and read the article for yourself. Listen closely. It says, on Sunday morning you will find him leading hymns in one of the independent churches of Christ somewhere in South Carolina. Call him Adam. He's a church administrator, a worship minister, and a self-proclaimed atheist. That last detail is a secret. After all, his wife and teenage children are devout believers that he needs to stay self-employed. Notice this. They are devout believers, not in the gospel, not in Jesus Christ, not in what their husband is doing as far as preaching the gospel. They are devout believers that he needs to bring home a good paycheck. Okay. It says that last little detail is a secret. They keep that from the congregation. The congregation can't, you know, they can't let them know about this. Here's how I handle my job, again, quoting. I see it as play acting. I kind of see myself taking on the role of a believer in a worship service. I see it as performing. They don't know how many ministers are in this category because so many of them don't want to be listed. Well, you can understand why. If, I mean, if they just come out and said, look, I don't believe a, a thing I'm saying, I think, although I'm not sure, I guess... I hope their congregation would get up and leave, although I'm not sure about that. Darrell, a Presbyterian, still calls himself a Jesus follower, but adds, I reject the virgin birth, I reject substitutionary atonement, I reject the divinity of Jesus. Notice this, I reject the divinity of Jesus. I reject heaven and hell in the traditional sense, and I am not alone. I am not alone. Voices of unbelief behind the pulpit. Darrell, a Presbyterian, still calls himself a Jesus follower, but adds, uh, excuse me, I already read that, West, a United Methodist, now this is a different denomination, here is a United Methodist, says, I think of God as a kind of poetry that's written by human beings. Notice this, I think of God as a kind of poetry written by human beings. Jack a Southern Baptist, has concluded that the grand scheme of Christianity for me is a bunch of bulk. A bunch of bulk. He said if someone offered him 200000 he'd turn in his notice next week. If someone offered him 200000 Voices of unbelief behind the pulpit. Voices of unbelief behind the pulpit. I'm asking you, could you be deceived? And we went through a whole list of churches. We went through the Church of Christ, Presbyterian, Methodist, and Baptist. Hey, they're out there. Now, again, could you be deceived? Now, you do understand, don't you, that these false prophets are not going to tell you that they, are, they don't 
believe in it. They're not going to tell you that they are an atheist. They're not going to tell you. In other words, they're going to appear nice and polite. They're going to talk about Jesus. Or they're going to preach about Jesus. They're going to, you know, but they're not going to come up and tell you, look, I don't believe any of this stuff. They have to keep their salary. They have to keep their paycheck. It's a lucrative job. It's easy to do. You work one day a week. You preach one day a week. You visit a few people. You shake hands. You tell people, you know, encouraging little stories. They're not going to tell you who they really are. You understand that, don't you? Now, here's the question. How do you know that I'm not a false prophet? Now, by the end of the program, this program, you're going to know because I'm going to tell you how to, know, to figure that out. <clears throat> you know, religious people are very easy to deceive. You know, we are referred to as sheep that follow the shepherd. And following the shepherd is not a bad thing if the shepherd has been called of God it's not a bad thing. But do not deceive yourself in believing that all people that stand behind the pulpit have been called of God to the ministry. <clears throat> Jesus said this in Luke 21 and verse 8. He said, Take heed and be not deceived. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ, and the time draws near. Notice Jesus is saying 2,000 years ago, he said the time draws near right now that many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. Go ye not there for after them. Notice what it says. They're going to come and they're going to preach Jesus Christ. They're going to say Christ is Christ. They're going to say, they're going to talk about Jesus. They're going to talk about the Bible. They're going to talk about the law of God. They're going to talk about, all, well, maybe not the law of God, but, but they're going to talk about grace. And it's all, you know, they're going to talk about all kinds of things. Jesus said, be not deceived. Now, here's something you need to understand and never forget. In the Bible, the ministry was a calling. In our society today, the ministry is a vocation. What do I mean by that? Well, a man thinks, he starts thinking, says, huh, you know, that ministry thing, I wouldn't mind checking into that. I wouldn't mind getting, getting online and maybe getting a degree or going to seminary school, and uh, it's not a bad job to have. Today, the ministry in our society is nothing more than a vocation. Men who enter the ministry as a vocation are not real ministers. Folks, that's the majority. That's the majority. I mean, I have a full-time job, and it's not the ministry. This is something I do on the side. I don't get paid for it. Paul was a tent maker. You understand what I'm saying? In Mark 13, verse 13, it says this about the ministry. Notice this. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. He's speaking to his disciples who were preachers. But he, shall en but he that endures to the end, sh the same shall be saved. You get this. He's talking to the preachers of, he's talking to the disciples, I should say. He says, you're going to be hated. Well, I mean, let me ask you a question. Is Billy Graham hated? Uh, take your pick. Take your pick. Are these men hated? Well, no, of course they're not hated. They're loved by the masses. Why would they be hated? The Bible says this in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2. Paul is talking to uh, Timothy, a young preacher. He said, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrines. 
Hey, I just gave you three reasons why you would be hated. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, correct. That's one of the three reasons right there you're going to be hated. People don't like correction. People do not like to be reproved for their error. And Jesus said, a preacher will, that is called of God, called by him, will be hated. Do you fit into that category? Are you hated? Are you a minister? Are you hated? You do, do you realize that the Old Testament prophets had one message? The message was repent or die. And nearly all of them, not all of them, but nearly all of them were put to death. They were killed. Elijah ended up running for, for, for his life. He was running from a woman, Jezebel. Noah had seven converts after preaching 120 years. What was his message? Repent or die. The flood's coming. Seven converts, eight including himself. And those seven converts were, converts were family members. Hey, you think you're doing bad at your church? You don't have a lot of outreach? You don't have a lot of people, new people coming in? Hey, don't feel bad about that. Noah had seven converts after preaching 120 years. <clears throat> Jesus was killed by the religious establishment. Do you understand that? That Jesus Christ was killed by the religious establishment? The sinners loved Christ. But the religious people killed him, and he would be killed all over again today by our religious establishment if he came preaching to our churches today. Why? Because he would preach a message that says your religion is not enough. And we think it is. We think our religion, oh, we're really proud of our religion. I'm, a, I'm this and I'm that, you know, and I'm, you know, and, and, and let me tell you something, your religion is not enough. And Jesus Christ would come with a message if he came all over again preaching. He would say, look, folks, your religion is not enough. And he would be killed all over again by our religious establishment of today. Don't ever forget that. I'm saying the ministry is a calling from God. I'm saying you will be hated, and I'm saying there's a high probability that you will be killed because of the gospel. You're not going to be loved by the masses. No, 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 no way. What you are hearing today is not the gospel. It is a counterfeit gospel. It is easy believism. It is pablum. It is baby food. It is, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's not the gospel. It's not the real gospel that you're hearing today. Okay, my question is this. Could you be deceived? Let's read it one more time. That first little uh, statement by this uh, so-called minister behind the pulpit. Voices of un unbelief behind the pulpit. Could you be deceived? Again, it says he is a worship minister Adam, a worship minister, minister a self-proclaimed atheist. That last detail is a secret. After all, his wife and teenage children are devout believers that he needs to stay self-employed. Pitiful, is it not? Here's how I handle my job. I see it. I see myself taking on the role of a believer in a worship service. I see it as performing. I see it as play-acting. Listen, you need to check this out for yourself. Don't believe it just because your minister said so. Just because your minister stands up there in front of you, you know, 
Don't believe it just because he says so. You, we need to prove all things and make sure that the man is, that is preaching to you has been called of God for the purpose of the ministry. I mean, a lot of us have been just spoon-fed all of our lives. We do not, we will not blow the dust off our Bibles and prove anything for ourselves. We're just spoon-fed everything our preacher tells us. It's time for that. It's time for us as God's people to stand up and to prove all things for ourselves and quit believing everything that we're spoon-fed. Now, what is the end result of being taught by these men who view the ministry as a, as a mere vocation? They go into it because it's a decent job. Well, let's take a look at the end result of this being taught by these men. Matthew 7 and verse 22. It says, Many will say to me, Jesus is speaking here in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Do you know what prophesied means? It means inspired preaching. Yeah, a lot of these men are very good at what they do. And in thy name we have cast out devils, and in thy name we have done many wonderful works. Yeah. Yeah, many wonderful work. We've had all these humanitarian efforts going on here. You know, the church is trying to rescue the poor. It's trying to rescue the hungry. It's, we're trying to do all these wonderful things. We have done many wonderful names, uh, things in your name. Did you know Jesus was not a humanitarian? I have a free DVD on that subject. Was Jesus a humanitarian? And I answered the question rather uh, directly, no, he was not. His message was repent of sin. That was his message. He didn't go around trying to alleviate every poor, every sick person, every, you know. He had a message. Repent, and if you repent, your life will work. If you repent, you will get over your poverty. If you repent, you'll have food on the table. If you repent, that was his message. Jesus was not a humanitarian. If you'd like to order that, you can write to the address at the bottom of the screen. Matthew 7 and verse 23 continues on, it says, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity, or that word is lawlessness. They have a religion of lawlessness. That's what they have. Depart from me, you that work iniquity, a religion of lawlessness. Sounds familiar, does it not? Law's been nailed to the cross been done away with. Jesus did it all for you. He lived his righteous life so that you don't have to. Some of this stuff's starting to ring a bell here. You see, this is the end results of being taught by men who get into the ministry as a mere vocation. I never knew you, Jesus will say. Now, you don't want to hear that, do you? No, I don't think you do. Now, here's how to find out if you're being taught by a real man of God who has been called into the ministry. I'm going to give you some three points here to go through. Now, it's not going to be easy for you to do this, but you need to do it. Now, here's how you find out. Number one, you ask your minister how he views the ministry. Now, there's only one correct answer, and that is the ministry is a calling from God. I have been called to preach the gospel. That's the only answer. There is no other answer. It is a calling from God. Second question. Was he called against his will? Were you called against your will? In other words, the answer has to be yes. I wasn't looking to be a preacher. 
I didn't wake up one day and say, boy, I sure would like to preach the gospel. No, no, that's not how it works. God calls men against their will. Jonah ran away. Jonah tried to kill himself to get away from the ministry. I mean, the man had like a death wish, always trying to kill himself. Oh, God, let me die. I'm not, you know, take my life. Tried to kill himself, to throw himself off the ship, you know. The man, I mean, he, it was something else. Paul was struck down and blinded. Paul persecuted the church. He killed Christians. He was against Christianity. These men were called against their will. And that's the question you've got to ask. Was he called? Was your preacher called against his will? That's the last thing I'm looking for. That's the last thing I want it to be, is a preacher of all things. You see, no real minister wants the job, is what I'm saying. It's a calling against your will. It's not, I, in my great spirituality, in my great spiritual intellect, and wisdom will teach the sheep. The ministry is not some silly dressing up game. You know what I mean? It's not some silly dressing up game. You know, I could. I could come on TV and I could put on a robe. Yes. That looks very spiritual. You ever notice that? It looks, makes me look more spiritual. This robe right here. And I could put my some glasses on and wear them on the end of my nose. It's just something about wearing glasses on the end, not, not here, but on the end of your nose. That makes people look spiritual, you know. And I could, you know, there's spiritual looks you can do. You know, put your lips out, you know, that makes you look spiritual. And there's a certain way to talk, to, to be spiritual. You know, you see, I could say, well, Jesus said, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Well, I don't know about that. You know, that, that's, I could do that. And you know what is sad? I'll tell you what's sad. What is sad is that some people would look at that and say, wow, man, that's, I, I like that guy. I mean, he sounds so spiritual. He's such an intellectual. That's the, what's so pathetic about it all. Some people would look at it and say, yeah, I like that. Well, that's good. That's, that's good religion there. My mother tells a story about uh, a woman that said, my minister can jump two feet off the ground. Well, I mean, maybe you ought to join, you know, a running bog jump or something, or, or I, don't, I mean, I don't know. What, what's that got to do with anything? He can jump two feet off the ground. You know, I mean, it, it's, I, I tell you, I'm not sure what people are looking for. Okay, the third thing to find out, if your minister is the real McCoy, whether he's been called to God, is this. Now, this one is really get your goat right here. But you've got to ask this question. If we didn't pay you a dime... Would you still preach to us? Yeah, you got to ask that. Three questions now. And the third one is, if we didn't pay you a dime, would you still preach to us? There's only one correct answer. And guess what that answer is? Yes, I would. Paul said it like this. Let's notice what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 16. He says, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yeah, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. You know, the bottom line is it's not about the salary. It's not about the income. It is a, the ministry is a calling from God. And you know what you do when God begins to put the screws down? Often what you do is you run away from it because you don't really want it. It's sort of against your will, like I said. 
against your will. Now, I don't know if you realize what I've just done, but I've just eliminated, eliminated about 95% of the ministry that dots our land across the United States of America. I've just eliminated about 95%. Now, let's talk about you, the layperson. I know I've been a little bit hard on the ministry, but let's, let's talk about you, the layperson. You know, your deception is your own fault. You have no one to blame but yourself. But this is what you are to expect from your minister. Let me tell you what you are to expect from your minister. Isaiah 8 and verse 20 says this. It says, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. You've got to hold your minister accountable to the law and to the testimony. If they preach not according to this word, the law and the testimony, it's because there is no light in them. You see, the law of God convicts of sin. That's the purpose of it. The law can't save you, but it does convict you of your wrong. So the law of God convicts of sins and leads the person to desire and need forgiveness. Okay, where do I find that? Once the law has convicted me of my sins, I realize I am a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner. You know not fit to be scraped off the back of a toilet and flushed down the toilet. Okay, I realize that. Where do I go for forgiveness? In other words, the law leads one to Jesus Christ. That is the role of the law. That is the purpose of the law, to lead one into a relationship with Christ, to yearn for, to need, to desire forgiveness. And it's only one place you go to get that. That's from the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you something. If your minister has built a theology around the idea that we don't have to obey God, get out and never go back. Okay? You see, and it's very subtle. It's very subtle. You know, it's, it's little statements, little, like little one-liners, little sound bites that preachers throw out there like, well, we're not under the law, and the law's been abolished. It's all been done for you. And grace plus nothing. You know, just, just, just believe. Just believe. Now, I understand that grace is what saves us. But don't you ever kid yourself in thinking God does not demand obedience from you. Yeah, unconditional surrender is what God requires from you. God is not interested in spending eternity with a pack of rebels that haven't learned to submit to his will. How simple is this? A two-year-old could understand this. In Matthew 17 and verse, in Matthew 19 and verse 17, it says this. This is a powerful concept, a powerful statement that Jesus makes here. He said, if you will enter into life, he was speaking to the rich young ruler, he said, if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. That's what your Savior tells you. That's what Christ Jesus, your Lord and Master, tells you. If you will enter into life, keep the commandments. You know, he didn't say, well, if you will enter into life, build a theology that says the law was abolished. Do you know why there are so many theologies out there that harp on you know, like the law's been abolished, nailed to the cross, and oh, that's old covenant, and we don't have to do that. It's because they don't want to do what God says to do. 
That's why you have all of these theologies built around what I call a disobedience to God. They don't want to do what, what the Bible clearly says to do. And we can't just admit that to God in honesty and just tell God, oh, Lord, I'm not going to do that. No, we have to come up with a, a religious reason. We have to justify why we're not doing what we're doing, what God tells us to do. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 1 John 2 and verse 4 says this. 1 John 2 and verse 4. This is he that says, I know him. Do you know the Lord? You claim to know the Lord? And keeps not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Oh, boy. We better watch out here. He that says, I know the Lord. Oh, how I know the Lord. I know the Lord. He that says, I know him. And keeps not his commandments is a liar. That's what your, that's what your Bible says. That's what your Bible says. Let me tell you something. There are voices of unbelief behind the podium of today's churches. Jesus warned of, he talked about that there were tear churches. First of all, there were tares that, you know, that the devil planted. And I believe that these tares build churches. Maybe they put a steeple on it. They talk about Jesus. They talk about all the wonderful attributes in the Bible but they are put there, they are a counterfeit. They teach a counterfeit doctrine. They teach, teach a counterfeit gospel. There are voices of unbelief behind the podium of today's church. God has not placed them there. They are vocational preachers, not called of God. What do they preach? Nothing. Absolutely Nothing. And you know what's ironic is that so many people that flock to these churches, they sort of like it that way. They preach pablum, baby food, absolutely nothing. And the people just eat it up. And that's what's really in your Bible. This nation needs to repent. But repent of what? What is sin? Few people, in fact, few religious people, understand the definition of sin. As a nation, we need not only to repent, but we need to have the experience of repentance. Your religion is not enough. Too much confidence in religion can be the downfall of a nation. What is real religion? What is real repentance? Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. 
That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program.